Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020. As of this opening, I've read Perishables, the first book of my five-book vampire and urban fantasy series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Perishables link. Now I'm reading from my short stories and other works, and occasionally I'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called Public Domain Radio. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Social Distancing Radio. Please tell everybody who you are. Yeah, I'm Elmarie Wood. I'm a psychological horror author. Um, I have published, oh, let's see now, 150 short stories. And my third novel, uh, The Realm, came out in October. My fourth, it's a re-release, actually. It's of my second novel, The Promise Keeper, will be out in May. And now I'm actually producing my first novella. That's coming out May 4th. Nice. 150 short stories. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is yeah. just, that is a heck of a resume. That's but what you I know what's say. cool about that is I, when I mean short stories, I mean short. Like I don't, I'm a fan of flash fiction. Yeah. So we're not talking two, three, 4,000 word story. To me, that's not a story. Now you've, you know, I know it is technically, but you're diving into some other territory, really, when you get to be that long. For me, a short story is a quick, like a quick hit. And that's how I do it. <laughs> awesome, though. That's great. Like, get in, get out, tell the story, be done. Yeah. I love it. Um, you also are a screenwriter and not just a screenwriter, but a multi-award winning screenwriter, correct? I am. I blush when I, when I talk about that because so many reasons that I'm blushing. Like, it's kind of cool and it's always like weird to hear somebody say that because you know they're talking about you but you don't really recognize it it's you you know yeah but I I'm also so excited about it because I've been writing screenplays since college and when my undergraduate is in film production so I you know I've always kind of done that and I just I took a really long break from it but then when I decided to come back in and really see if what I could do with these screenplays I mean it's just been fantastic like so very cool yeah. Oh, that's f- so fantastic. Well, congratulations on all that. I know that you just won uh, a best screenplay award at a film festival and you've got telecommuting coming out, coming out and telecommuting is what we're here mostly to discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us a little about telecommuting. You know, I think so many people, especially now will really relate to telecommuting as opposed to when I wrote it, I, you know, I finished up probably at the end of last year. It's it's about working from home, but it's a psychological horror novel or, or novella with that as the as the premise. So of course, you know, there's always something underneath, there's always something deeper, but on its surface, it's the story of a person who is, you know, in their home and they're by themselves and they work from home. So their outlet and their their opportunity to interact with other people is severely limited. And it really touches upon what can happen to a person when that kind of existence, you know, is there. Yeah, I, I had the good fortune to get to read it this past weekend. I had set myself up to read part of it on Saturday and part of it on Sunday. And I sat down on Saturday and read the entire thing in one go. Oh, wow. There was, 
there was not going to be any stopping in the middle of it. That's and awesome. <laughs> uh, it was really, really good. And a lot of what it talks about resonates with my experience of having become a telecommuter as a result of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that sense of sort of being alienated and how strange it is to be in your own neighborhood at times you're not accustomed to. Yes. It, like that was one of the weirdest things for, uh, for me to adjust to was like learning that there were all these rhythms in my neighborhood mm-hmm. and recognizing that everybody else in my neighborhood was learning the same rhythms. Like everybody was having to relearn this landscape that we thought of as being very familiar to ourselves. Right. What's cool about that is, so I come from the perspective of having worked from home for years. At the same time, I have, you know, I I teach. And so every now and and then I get the chance to go out and actually socialize with people (laughs) in a work setting. (laughs) But my my day job, I really work from home, you know, primarily. And I'm a 24 by 7 resource. So I'm like always working as well. And I do see, you know, the jogger that goes by, he's like time, he goes by at 10.30 a.m. every day. I mean, just without, and I think to myself, why can't I exercise with such, you know, dedication, but it doesn't happen. And then there's always the same people who order pizza. And it's not that I'm being nosy. I can just see my, my office is in the front of the house. So I literally see what's going on. And at the same time, you can never see someone and then not realize you haven't seen that person in months or a year or however long. You know, it's, it's true when, you know, when winter comes, we all kind of go back inside. And that's, just, that's true whether you work from home or work outside the home. You go back and you don't hang out as much. And, you know, it's not as much fun to take a walk in the neighborhood in the dead of winter, right? But right. then everyone comes back out. And then when, especially when you see children, they are taller. They, you know, they, depending, depending on what age they are, they might have grown some facial hair or they're, suddenly driving or, you know, the adults look different and you can really see the difference when you sort of emerge from that, those months away. But envision if you moved into a community right when the weather was changing and everybody went back inside and no one ever saw you again and they don't even know who you are anyway. Yeah. You know, that's that experience that is true. It's, It's a realism that a lot of people don't, you know, we didn't really think about that prior to being you know, the current unpleasantness where we've been sort of stuck in our houses. So yeah, I found that to be a unique perspective for a story because I mean, there's, there's drama there. There's, you know, a story to be told, especially from a psychological horror perspective, considering that that's mostly, you know, what, what's happening inside our heads. So. Oh, for sure. There's uh, one of the first things that it made me think of wasn't actually pandemic related at all. It's that I've lived in my house now for a little over 15 years. And for the first three years I lived here, I thought my next door neighbor was the guy who mowed the lawn at the empty house next door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in fact, he was living there the whole time. He just (laughs) never did anything outside of his house other than Mm -hmm. mow his lawn. Mm -hmm. He was this like older retired guy. And he went out once a week and mowed his front lawn and mowed his back lawn. And then that was that. And the way our houses are positioned, I like didn't really know that there was a car in his driveway the whole time. And like, he just spent literally every other moment of the week just in his house, you know? And that I kept thinking about that when reading this book and how exceptionally alienated the, the narrator is from the people around him to the point that they are not totally 
they don't know <laughs> in some ways they don't know whether he exists right you know right and it's it's interesting the way that they try to find out if he exists you know and then the yes. way he's perceiving their behavior around him and it doesn't necessarily it's funny when you when you dive into the mind when you think about psychological horror at least the way that i write it and the way that i used to enjoy reading it when you think about the the thought process that someone may go through you know going to the supermarket there's a scene in there which i particularly love oh (laughs) it's so good (laughs) about the the you know he's in the supermarket and he's having this conversation in his own head but if you you, know, you can make up anything and believe it, especially if you have no one to vet the thought with you. Yeah. You can come up with all sorts of things that become true to you. And you have no basis for that. But when you meet the real life person, you can't help but apply whatever it is that you've already put onto them, you know, and it's real and they don't even know that you're doing it. And it's just such a weird, like misunderstanding that <laughs> will never be vocalized. And the funny part about it, when you read it, you know, you can kind of distance yourself and say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, how, how, you know, interesting, how curious, but you do it too. And you, (laughs) everyone does it. And you don't realize that you've ascribed some personality trait to the guy who walks his dog, but doesn't pick up the poo. Well, that doesn't mean he's like the worst person in the world. He just didn't pick up that poo. But you might've made him like a horrible beast because he doesn't pick up the poo. So, you know, it's interesting, I thought, to really just, decide to take a real life situation that's happening to happen today, you know, and really lay it bare. Of course I had to put, you know, the supernatural element in. I'm a psychological horror. Oh, sure. You know, but I mean the other pieces of it are so relatable, I think, that, you know, and it and they're relatable in ways that you may not even want to admit. <laughs> yeah. There's like uh, you, litter, I... you don't want to admit that. <laughs> but you <Yeah>. do it. <laughs> There are so many elements of it that are just immediately recognizable to anybody who either works from home or they've ever lived in the suburbs, mm-hmm. or they've ever had a nosy neighbor, or they've ever like sort of projected a life onto the people around them that they don't actually know. All of these elements are in it and they're all so real. That's mm-hmm. it, the thing is like the supernatural element in the book does not it doesn't undermine the reality of anything. And it doesn't like, it isn't necessarily the reason that this situation is horrifying. Mm -hmm. It like so perfectly complements the things that are so horrifying in this book. And I just like, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, there's just so much there that I immediately recognized, you know, the, the nosy neighbor that everybody has had at some Mm -hmm. point in their life. The second that that character appears in the book, I, thought the name of someone from my neighborhood you know (laughs) fantastic (laughs) and like the stuff like that you know uh i have a book series that came out a long time ago that uh, a reader wrote to me and described as suburban horror and you know and it's like it's about a vampire living in the suburbs Mm -hmm. but uh but that notion of just like there are only so many types of people in the world Mm -hmm. and people who are more or less living the same life in some ways run into more or less the same people, mm-hmm. even if they are totally different persons. And uh, that way that the human mind like copes with complex reality by pigeonholing and, and, you know, sort of sorting and stacking everything in a life, it, all of that stuff plays into this story so effectively, so well, every reaction this character has is so natural and believable. 
you know. You know, yeah, unfortunately, those are a lot of my own reactions. If something, you know, if I were encountering some of that stuff, and I shouldn't say unfortunately, I guess maybe that's really the way that writers can connect with their readers is that they have these real reactions to, you know, whatever's going on and they put it on the page. Every time he lost it for a little bit was a way, a similar way that I might lose it. <laughs> You know, yeah. and and I think that that realism speaks to people and they'll find that they can either identify with him, which was it, for me, he's majorly identifiable. But yeah. you could identify with any one of the characters. You could be that nosy neighbor and notice your behavior in this character. Um, so surely there will be someone who, who's behaving that way in season. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that that for me it was it the, the supernatural piece I, I appreciate you saying that it doesn't undermine the actual storyline and the storyline itself can be ter- terrifying without that supernatural piece but that's kind of part of it is because that's sort of reminiscent to me of Ira Levin's work you know I mean he just kind of he would scare you with stuff that was like natural daily stuff <laughs> you're, you're seeing these cookie cutter houses you know that's your street and you're seeing that like I said the jogger and you're seeing all that. and this is your life I'd made a comment to someone else um just recently it wasn't about the telecommuting but it was about just the way that I write is the lived experience so this suburban life I mean I know it intimately because I live I live in the suburbs I mean <laughs> and my supermarket is the same as the supermarket for the people down the road. This is the, where we go. This this gas station is where we go. This you know this mm-hmm. home improvement store is where we go. So our experiences are the same in that regard. There are differences sometimes, sure, but my daily life experience that I can count upon every single day is going to be that same thing that my next door neighbor can also count upon. He wants to go get coffee from Starbucks, and I did too. We had the same dag on Starbucks we went to. You know, so finding horror in that mundane life <laughs> yeah. or in those in those locations that are so recognizable to anyone who lives in a certain environment. That's the, the beauty of it for me. That's the beauty of psychological horror in a general sense. And I really enjoy bringing that out to show people that horror is not always because, you know, I don't mind a vampire. You know this. We've talked oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I, you know, I'm uh, what, werewolves, maybe not, but a zombie every now and then. Sure. I like the traditional stuff, but there's more to fear than just the stuff, the, the beast in the darkness. There's a different mm-hmm. kind of beast. And, you know, it takes it takes being shown that to recognize that there's more out there. And I, I try to do that. It there Another thing it made me think of is like. I'm so glad we're doing this so that I get to talk to you about this book. Um, I'm trying so hard to not say things that would spoil it for people who listen, but uh, it reminded me in some ways of like fifties and sixties, American and British science fiction and horror. And that's sort of like, and you see this in some episodes of the twilight zone, for instance, and you see this in the prisoner, that notion of like the horror of uniformity, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the horror of, of, of there being no character to a place. That's right. You know, and, uh, and so like that kind of thing, just really, I, I could see so many of those influences. I could like really feel that as I was reading it. It just, it really made me think of a lot of really beloved sort of other kinds of stories that is connected to a lot of those little places in my brain. 
Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Do you remember that? Did you read oh, the yes. book or, the, or the movie? If you saw the movie, the first yeah. one, especially with um, Donald Sutherland. Oh, is that the first or second? That's the second, second. one. Second yeah. one with Donald Sutherland, I thought was the better one. Yeah. Um, or if you've read the movie, I've read the movie. <laughs> if you've read the book, <laughs> if you've read the book or you saw the movie, that movie and book scared me like senseless when I yeah. was young because of the, the plausibility of it all. These people look normal until, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you keep thinking something's wrong with them, but you're not sure. And you're like, mate, no, I must be crazy, but wait a minute. No, no. And then you find out and now, now it's almost too late for you to get out. And it's, it's that, it's that notion, which is why I've always gravitated to psychological horror and which is why telecommuting had to be written because it's not only is it like timely and it, it wasn't, I mean, I, I yeah, I guess I wasn't thinking about, oh, this is perfect time to write this. No, I was just thinking this is a story I want to tell, but it's really right on the nose for what's, you know, what our existence has been. And, but it's the, like you said, it's that every day there's a horror in the uniformity and you don't, if you don't look closely, like the notion of taking a walk down the street, you don't know what's happening in any of those individual houses. Yeah. And that to me is terrifying. Terrifying. So I can scare myself all day long. Just, just going outside. <laughs> <laughs> Each one of them is really its own little planet, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that in, in, in some, a lot of us feel that way. Yeah. A lot of us do. You know what I mean? We, we sort of retreat to our house. Think about before the whole situation this year. Before that, you would have people say, oh, I can't wait to go home and just veg out on the sofa and watch Netflix or whatever it was they were going to watch because they wanted to escape the outside and just stay in because this is our safe place. Unfortunately for this guy, my character, you don't, he, that's not his safe. I mean, he, he it's not safe in there. I mean, it's not his safe place. <laughs> you know, I feel for him. That is distinctly not his safe place. Exactly. Gosh. Yeah, right. And it's like, I think that sometimes I, I, <laughs> I like, I've always said this and it, it creeps everybody out when we talk about it. But like, if you're in a bathroom and you look, especially the, the bathrooms with the medicine mirror, the medicine cabinet mirrors, you know, you can open it and there's a cubby inside to get whatever you've put in there. But that mirror usually bumps up against or reflects against the bigger sort of picture mirror that you're grooming yourself in have you ever looked in the medicine cabinet mirror at the reflections that are showing with that when the two meet my biggest thing the thing i love to highlight and the way that i try to always write is that i'm talking about the sixth or seventh image in the back that has turned away from you and you're wondering why it's moving and you're not moving because yeah. it should just be you yeah that's what for me, when if you, any that's the the running current in all of my work, there's something that you don't notice just under the surface, but it's always there. Love it, I absolutely love it. It's actually a little scary. I think I scared myself now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. I guess the best, like, one sentence, zero spoilery description of telecommuting that I was able to come up with was someone experiences a major change in his work at the same time as a major change in his life and has to cope with both of those in, in the minute he has to cope with aspects of those that one might not expect. Yeah, that's good. 
that's good. And, and like, I feel like if that appeals to people listening, then they yeah. definitely need to read this. Or if yeah. like any of the sort of influences that we've talked about appeal, then you should definitely read it because it's so good. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this one and thank you. I'm so glad you liked it. I think the undercurrent of fear, if we could put that phrase in there somewhere, because they need to know that this is not just, oh, it changes and. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah, it's not just a drama. No, 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 no. No. The terror of everything in your life becoming unfamiliar. Change is terror. Yeah. And everything in his life has just changed. Yeah. That's really, really freaky. Yeah. Yeah. So real, real and true for people. Oh, very real. You know, I mean, those those scenarios that manifest themselves all at the same time are real things that happen. That's why they tell you, don't make it. What is it? Don't make a decision if you have like six different life-changing events that occur you know death or divorce or buying a house or moving or something like things like that i mean he hits almost all of those yeah (laughs) Yeah. literally in like a 24-hour period yeah yeah and we come in interestingly enough which i like i I always like coming in in the middle i don't like really starting at the beginning you know it's kind of but you know for me he you come in and he's already embroiled in this you know, so you're, you're, you're dealing with how he's originally starting to cope with it, but then you realize he's not, he doesn't know how to cope. He tried something. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Mm-mm. I did not. <laughs> so I, I am curious, did you have the idea for this? Were you planning to write this before the pandemic started? Oh yeah. I had started. I finished when we were in the pandemic, but I had already started. See, that's, so, that is wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not pandemic based at all. It literally doesn't even touch no, on but that. It, the, the, the pandemic does not exist in it as far as I can tell. Nope. Nope. And it literally is just an idea that I mean, you know, sometimes you have things speak to you. And I felt like mm-hmm. that was something that was a reality for enough people. You know, telecommuting is a real thing now. It didn't used to yeah. be. I mean, before I remember when I first started working, there was no such thing as telecommuting. You came to work, you sat in your office. It didn't matter how long you stayed in your office. But as long as you got there at eight and didn't leave before five, <laughs> yeah. if you had to be there until eight or nine to get your work done, then so be it. But telecommuting, working from home, that was like not a real thing, but it's real now. And so at the same time, you know, anyone who does any call center work, anyone who's like ever been someone that, you know, who works on anything technology related and they have to, you know, chime in because something broke, because things inevitably break, you know, you can't get by with that. So these people know the reality of this existence. And I just felt like it was something that, you know, it's easy fodder for something scary because people always think, what's that? The witching hour. What's that? 3 a.m.? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm up at 3 a.m. for work and and I'm not the only (laughs) one, you know? Yeah. So if, if the witching hour is that weird time in the middle of the night, but there's a bunch of people up doing goodness knows what. (laughs) That's perfect fodder for, you know, a scary story, I thought. Yeah. I I think it's so, this is such a great opportunity for people to read it. Like, I'm not saying that this makes it okay, but a silver lining to the fact that so many people have had the experience of Mm -hmm. suddenly going to telecommuting in the middle of a really fearful circumstance. Right. A really fearful (laughs) life-changing set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something that people are going to connect with right away. You know, yeah. and reading it initially, I was a little 
not, I mean, I was a little like, oh gosh, what if this is going to feel like too on the nose for my experience? Mm-hmm. And no, like I immediately was able to identify with what he was going through in a lot of ways. And I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people reading it would. I had not worked from home except on rare occasions previously, you know, mm-hmm. and this was, it, it was a very abrupt change in the place where I work. And it was a hugely traumatic change for some people. And, uh, and it was made, made it really easy for me to connect with this. And, it, and I am really glad that I was able to like have that experience of having done some of some of what he's doing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a kind of a scary circumstance. Well, you know, what I also think is interesting is it's not, we talk a lot about the working from home and that's, that's a big piece of it, but not all of it. He has to do this job because he needs a certain paycheck because he has a new house that he has to take care of suddenly alone. And I know that people have been in that experience. If you have rent or mortgage, it does not matter. A bill is a bill and you have to pay it. Yeah. And so therefore you need to make a certain amount of money so that you can pay that bill and satisfy a car note and be able to feed yourself and keep your lights on. So having that feeling of being, I don't want to call it stuck, but if you've ever felt like you're not necessarily doing the job that you want to be doing and you have to do it, yeah, <laughs> you can relate to yeah. this guy. Working from home, I think that before last year, people thought it was really cush. And I'm, it's not. You know, no. yeah, there might be some places where you can just do laundry and go get ice cream and do that. I don't know that place. Pass it along. I've never heard of that place. But, you know, <laughs> for, for people who have done it for years and been successful at it, because number one, it takes a lot of, you know, just self-motivation in and of itself. And, and, and you know, those people who are, are successful at it know it is not simple. You're never actually off. That commute time you get to downtime, listen to the radio and sing it really loud. That doesn't exist for people who work from home. Yeah, my commute is, you know, a couple of steps, but I don't get that second to detach. And then when they call you when you're trying to cook dinner or read a book or whatever, you really don't feel like you've detached. So, you know, it's an interesting thing to consider. You know, all of us, while we may not be telecommuting, we if you've ever worked a job you don't care for, because you needed to pay a bill, you can relate. If you've ever had a breakup and suddenly you got all these bills now that you didn't anticipate, you can relate. You know, yeah. if you've ever felt like you don't feel like talking to these people who are so daggone happy all the time because their lives are fine, hey, you can relate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and social media, if you use social media, you know, it depends it, it, two ways. If you're like all over social media, you can relate to what, I don't want to give that part away, but I'm saying that. I said that part. <laughs> if you um, don't use it a lot and then you you try to like utilize it to try and, you know, I don't know, get with it, become part with the to- of the times, you will also relate. There's so many elements that I think just make up the our existence now. This wouldn't have been my, my parents' existence. They don't, this wouldn't have made sense to them. But I think that this is where we're living now. You know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that all day. You know, you get your news online as opposed to watching the TV and watching the news. You don't even have cable anymore. You've got apps now on your television and you're watching this. You know, there's no commercials to introduce you to new products. You're watching, you know, nonstop streaming of some sort of limited series. That's our existence. And if you've ever, if you're living today, I would say, 
engaged in life today, then you can relate with what's happening in telecommuting. So yeah, for me, it was a story that was really sort of all encompassing. And I, I love it, actually. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's really, really great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it a great Thank deal. You. I'm so glad. Um, what do you like? I'm not exactly sure what question I'm trying to ask. <clears throat> like who? Well, no, I don't edit these normally. I mean, I'd like chop off the part at the beginning where we were just like chit chatting, but I'm just going to let myself sound real dumb while I like fish <laughs> around for this question. Um, but like, if you could say something to every, any person who was about to take a copy of telecommuting out of your hands, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? <laughs> um, I might actually warn them to don't take this book at face value because the moment you do, it's going to sock you. It's going to sock you. You'll never see it coming. Yeah. Ne- and even with me telling you that you won't see what's coming, you will never see that coming. No, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. And it's multifaceted, you know, I mean, there's, there's the, the story, you can look at it and look at that, the story that's kind of over the overarching piece. And that could be enough for you, but there are elements underneath that you really, if you want to dive in and really let your brain work, you will not be disappointed. It's, it's, there's so many pieces and I agree. It's a really fast read. When, of course, when I went back to do my edit after letting it sit for months, I was done so quickly. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Cause when <laughs> I read stuff again, it's like, it's not mine. If I let it sit, yeah. I can forget, you know, and come back in and read it anew, like a reader would. And I, I really like that. I'm happy that I can do that because it makes my stories fresh for me. And I got the chance to do it. And I thought, wow, I mean, the, the, the underlying story is really strong. And if you take your eye off of it, it's going to sock you. Yeah, very much so. It's, it's a very, very well told story that like, it doesn't just like, it doesn't just like convey the events well, but I felt like I really understood a lot of what he was going through emotionally and psychologically. And not just the parts that I understood from my own experience, but the parts that were totally alien to my experience. I also felt like his reactions are natural. His responses to things are totally believable. There's no point in this where I feel like you like force his hand as a character or anything like that. It's a very well-told, well-crafted story. Wow. Just like my hat is off to you. you know? Oh, wow. Thank you. That is so big because forcing the hand is something that we're, we're all guilty of it. We can't help it. We're yeah. we the character to get to where we're going. And sometimes we have to like make them get there. But I, it's, oh, I feel so good to hear that you didn't see that in this. So it, it all came off naturally. So that's no, it is 100% natural. This is, it flows so nicely. So, yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to tell us about the book? It, no, I mean, it's a fun ride. Maybe I'm telling you something else then. It's a fun ride. I <laughs> 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 love when people say no and then they keep talking. <laughs> that's great though. That's good. It's a fun ride. It is, it is, you know, it's psychological hard to me at its finest, but it's not what you might be thinking of. Because I keep saying Ira Levin because I frankly, I just love his work, right? But I mean, Levin is, it's, it's an older, I mean, Stepford Wives was in the 70s. This is not a new, it's updated. It's updated psychological horror, but we definitely stay within that 
you know, that headspace, because to me, true psychological horror is about what's going on in your mind, you know, and there's a supernatural element because I think that you kind of have to, oh, it's flat. You don't have to, but it's fun to indulge that. Um, in certain stories and in this one I make use of it but truly the story is what's happening in this poor guy's head and if you like something that'll make you think a little bit you know there are no jump scares it well that's not true actually is there that's actually not true huh if there are you know if you if you if you like a legit let me put it this way a legitimate scare and as a screenwriter I say this I'm gonna say this differently because a jump scare is the one that kind of surprises you. You're like, oh, you know, think of the nun. The first time you saw the nun in that the movie called The Nun, the first time you like literally laid on her, eyes on her, you jumped out of your skin. But that's cool. That doesn't last though. If you want the fear that's going to sit in the back of your head, and if you started looking at that book in the middle of the afternoon and come nightfall, you are staring into a specific space. I can't tell you where. A specific space <laughs> in your home afraid to go in there (laughs) then you then i've done my job and i think that you're looking if you're looking for that you'll find that in this i wholeheartedly agree i think there's probably no better way to put that there's just like there's so much in it that is intensely relatable to anybody who has ever you know just like been scared to walk across their own front yard at night yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. like exactly. I, there's so much of like horror for me almost always horror that i enjoy almost always in some way touches on the kid brain you know mm-hmm. like it touches on some way in which the kid brain when we were all kids like populated the world with more monsters than existed yes. because it didn't totally know about the monsters that do Mm-hmm. and and there's you know there's a lot of things in this book that like touch on kid brain fear mm-hmm. but it's very understandable you know and some of it is very adult fear just like he's not just treading water to get by he is swimming as hard as he can and there's mm-hmm. still water splashing into his nose mm-hmm. you know just in that's life real you know that's real yeah. life <laughs> yeah and and the you know, there are scenes where he interacts with the world and it is not successful. And, uh, put it mildly. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and like, and it, I think, well, I was just talking to my co host for Arcane Carolinas the other day about saying, like, we're going to be at Con Carolinas in June. Mm-hmm. And I said, I've got to figure out a way to get over the like the social awkwardness. But I feel like I've probably acquired in the intervening 14 months and I'm not even aware of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because like my husband and I talk to each other and we have conversations that we both understand, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm a little worried that I'm going to have the sort of like the, the experience of the guy that Robinson Crusoe was based on who <laughs> like lived on an island by himself for like six years. And when a ship found him, he recollected later that he had like greeted them with a prepared speech and what they wrote in their ship's logs was that he just like produced noises oh my goodness he just, you know but he yeah. had been without speech with other people for so long that he did not understand anymore that what he thought were words were not words mm-hmm. and i'm not saying i'm on that level <laughs> not not yet no that's oh, yeah. why we do things like this 
But yeah. You know, and I think that uh, there's been so much of that in the past year, haven't I? I mean, I've been on so many things recently that I never, I mean, I didn't have the opportunity to do before. Thank goodness for that, because, you know, we already right in our offices locked away and, and sort of sequester ourselves from life anyway. Yeah. Now, I mean, <laughs> the past year, we haven't gone anywhere. I don't know what we would be like if we didn't have things like this. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like he, I think, I think a lot of us can understand the like, the exceptional degree of social anxiety that he is experiencing. Mm-hmm. We experience, you know, some fraction of that ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much there that works. There's so much there that's good. I don't, I don't even know really what to say about it other than the people should read it. Oh, thank you so, so much. I really, which reminds me, I need to post a review of it on Amazon like, immediately because it needs to get reviews also. Yes, 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 please. I love it. I love when people review it because I mean, it gives me the opportunity to know whether or not I touched someone, you know, yeah. is it, did it, did it resonate? That's really what authors want to know is if something resonated, you know? Yeah. We are all hungry for validation and, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and like, there's no end to how much validation we'll eat. We'll eat the whole cracker barrel of, right. of validation and That's still be right. hungry at the end. But, you know, allow me to like place a little morsel of validation in front of you by saying this is really, really great. And I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Um, So where can people find you? You can come to my website and I keep playing with it. I've done something very cool on it. So if you decide to come and see it, it's just the coolest thing ever. It's www.elmariewood.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter at ElmarieWood1, and I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash ElmarieWood. You do have a new website. That's great. Yes, but yeah. that picture, because if, if you've ever seen me, you know very well that that's a face I make, right? But if you yeah. click... <laughs> But if you click the books thing, like check the click, click works or books. Is it books or work? Yeah, work. What, do you see that? Ooh, I like that a lot. <laughs> oh, that is very nice. I was so excited with that thing. I'm like, yes, I don't even know how I did it, but whatever, it's working. <laughs> yeah, totally. I couldn't believe when I found that picture of myself signing, I was signing Sycorax's daughters. And I'm like, that is me like on a page. I just need to put that up and stop. You know, <laughs> that's me. Anybody who's ever met me and makes me laugh to that degree. That's exactly what I look like. <laughs> that's fabulous. Wow. I love that. That's a great website. Thank you. It's been fun playing with it. Again, that's another pandemic. Let's mess with, mess with your website thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. My, my author website has been through like four different iterations in the last year. I yeah. now have one that I least like enough to leave it alone. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to leave it be. Um, oh, gosh, we try. Well, so tell us again, what day does telecommuting come out? It comes out on May 4th. So like next week, like next okay. Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to try to get this out on Friday, the 30th of okay. April. Very cool. Thank you. And then I'll make sure that there's a link to the Amazon pre-order page in the show notes. So if you're listening, go click on that link. Oh, and I want to make comment that the, the publisher is unable to make the book show up in print on pre-order but the day it goes live it is also available in print right now you can see it as an ebook but if you wait to get it the day it goes live it'll also be in print form so That's i'm one of those people know. who really likes to read the book like hold the book in my hand so yeah yeah i wanted to say that for anybody that likes that same thing 
Are you somebody who does science fiction fantasy conventions? You know, I, I will say now I do. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did Balticon um, early on when I, well, not early on, no, like a couple of years ago for the first time in person. And then I did it online and I'll do it again online this year. Um, and a multiverse, I don't know if you, you remember multiverse. I've multiverse. never been, but I've, I've applied for the first yeah. time this year. Oh, very cool. Multiverse Con, I'm the horror track director. So yay. So that's relatively new. Like that was as of, well, I guess two years ago, whenever we yeah. did it live the first time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm still the horror track director. I'm still having fun with that. Um, but I don't do a lot of them. Like those are the two that I kind of stay with, but I mm -hmm. mean, who knows? Maybe I'll do more. I mean, they're fun. So it's not like it's not a good time, you know? Yeah, they are fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited about being able to go back to conventions again. I, yeah. I, <laughs> but that was, I mean, there are many reasons to get vaccinated, but that was like very high on my personal list of reasons to get vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, but like I, uh, multiverse, I've only heard good things about. And after the first year, there were so many writer friends I know from the Carolinas who were just like, multiverse is amazing. You've got to go, you know, yeah, it was a good time. It was just, I unique programming, you know, the, the author culture is fantastic anyway. I mean, we just have a good yeah. time when we get together, you know, but yeah. the programming was really thought provoking and it was just different from what I had experienced in the times, the few times before that I had just gone to a convention. So I was really excited to be sort of engaged in it and, you know, consider that my convention home because I do, I'd absolutely. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to share with us before we go? No, I'm just, I hope you enjoy telecommuting. I, I, you know, I, I really love that one. I think it's great. It is fun. It is poignant. It is timely. And I think that it's a fast enough read, you know, that you can't, you don't, like you said, you read it in one day. It's pretty quick. I mean, it really, really is. And so I think that, you know, especially if you like psychological horror, it's definitely something to treat yourself with. Yeah. I, for me, it had big Stephen King vibes kind mm -hmm. of thing going. And I, my cat's standing on the keyboard and uh <laughs> and like that i was i'm always interested in that kind of horror story mm -hmm. but this was an exquisitely good example of oh, that wow. kind of horror story oh my goodness that's awesome <laughs> thank you so much no problem well thank you very much for being here i really appreciate it i always enjoy talking with you on camera or off or you know on record or not you know that yeah Hey, fabulous. And if I'm not a guest in Multiverse, I'm probably going to attend it virtually if there's a virtual component this year. Fantastic. Come to the horror yeah. room. Uh, <laughs> will do. There. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons attribution license at ccmixter.org. <laughs>